0: Check for pulse. So hello and welcome to episode twelve of the Digital Doctor Podcast. Uh this podcast is gonna be about productivity for doctors. Hello, Stephen Wing. Hi. No kyong today. No. He's got exams. He has. He's a busy man. We wish him well. Yeah. But saying that. It's good that we're doing it because we're probably the biggest procrastinators in the entire world.
1: I think it's quite ironic that we are deciding to sit down and talk about productivity given that I've just spent about 20 minutes trying to fix my microphone.
0: Yeah, this is this comes under the heading of the dangers of productivity or how being productive can make you unproductive.
1: Yeah, we'll or try, get... how, yeah how striving for being efficient
0: can ruin your life. because you spend all your efficiency on trying to be efficient. Meta. Very meta.
1: So what is productivity? Getting stuff done, I guess. Okay, so I'm
0: going to read from Wikipedia now. Productivity is an average measure of the efficiency of production, the ratio of production output to what is required to produce it in terms of inputs of capital, labour, land, energy or materials. How's that? that sounds good. That sounds good? Okay, so that's what it is. But why... So why are we talking about productivity? Let's get back to that. I think... So A lot in a lot of these podcasts, we've spoken about the sort of big issues of IT and healthcare and some of the challenges and all that kind of stuff. But I think it's quite nice occasionally just to go back down to a more practical episode and talk about actually what are some practical things that you can do as a doctor with the tools that are out there to make your life a little bit better without changing the world in the process yeah so that's why we're talking about this today and that's why it's going to be more informal and more chatty and i think stephen and i are just going to try and share some of our tips i guess some of the are some of the results of the endless hours that we spent researching how to be productive
1: oh my goodness how many how many different tools do you think we've used to try and collaborate on stuff together?
0: I don't know. But every time I see a new app on the the app store, I just want to like say, oh, let's use this from now on. Let's use this and I have to stop myself.
1: Yeah. I, mean, I think we've used at least 10.
0: Uh, definitely. And we'll cover probably quite a few of those today. Okay, yeah. so I guess the next question is, why can doctors benefit from basic productivity hacks or tips?
1: Yeah, I guess it goes back to... So what we've always been saying is that our lives in the hospital don't really seem to mirror our lives in the real world, outside hospital. And I think the technology that we um, you know use at home to do uh, your to-do lists and everything else doesn't match in any way the tools that we have for hospital working. No, not at all. Which is frustrating.
0: Yeah. But on the other hand you know these things can be i mean doctors lives are relatively complex i think in terms of the number of commitments that they have so just looking at an individual doctor and trying to break down what they're to use the sort of gtd which we'll get to later terminology what are their areas of responsibility well there's where's work of course um over which there's fairly little control um there's personal life over which hopefully there's slightly more control Um, But there's a lot of other stuff related to work, which you don't have to not forced to use specific tools at work. You know, things like research, things like audit, just like managing your inbox, which might contain a mixture of both work and home related things like keeping up to date uh, with RSS feeds and things like that. Um, And I think the major benefit is for people who live complicated lives, having systems in place for dealing with noise digital noise almost, helps you have less mental noise. Um, I call it cognitive tinnitus. You know, that feeling when there's so many things going on that you can't actually focus on a single thing because there's so much
1: noise. Oh, I'm sorry, I can not hear you there. There's like a ringing going on in my ears. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so I think that's really why doctors specifically as a group of professionals could benefit from some basic um Sort of, I don't know, some sort of rules, like ten com, ten digital commandments to help organize your life. That'll help you to, um, to sort of stay focused and avoid that situation where there's so much incoming stuff that it's impossible to get started. And believe me, this is getting worse every single day. You know, we're constantly surrounded by pinging. You know, oh, someone tweeted you. Oh, you've got a new Facebook message. Oh, you've got a new email. You know, you've got three different devices in your house. So your phone goes ping and then your computer goes ping. And then a minute later, your iPad goes ping or whatever. Um, And actually, I think that should probably be our first commandment of productivity. Turn off the pings.
1: Yeah, so I I think uh, you said something that I found interesting there, Ed, in that... I don't necessarily think it's just about technology. It's about systems and different ways of working. One of the things that I think that the technology revolution has given us is a chance to redesign the way we're working. And I think there's lots of things that I've noticed um, and lots of trends that we've both been a part of, Inbox Zero, getting things done, that really go back to the drawing board and designing ways of working that I think sit very well with me and probably could help a lot of doctors in the hospital
0: but that's the that's part of the problem as well i mean if you're just a basic user not i guess one might call a power user and you're not familiar with these tools and you just use email and twitter and things as they come out of the box then actually your life in a way is going to be more miserable i think
1: yeah there's have you heard the sort of concept of uh inboxes or gathering points yeah so like um I suppose the the real world analogy is that you have a paper inbox or a pigeonhole that people put things in for you to do, and the more of those that you have be that physical or virtual, um, the more messy things can get and Part of getting organized is going around and minimizing the amount of places that you collect things for you to do yeah so for me the the email inbox is is a big inbox that 's where lots of stuff comes in for me to get uh, to get my attention for me to do. Uh, I also have you know, my letterbox at home, I have a pigeonhole at um, at university, I have another pigeonhole at work and I've got loads of uh, other places where I collect tasks and we'll talk about some of the tools and in, in the ways that I do that. But part of really getting to grips with what your commitments are is going around and making sure that you're aware of everything that you have to do. And if there's, I mean you've heard the, the t-shirt story haven't you? No. So we're, we're like, um, you've got a nice clean house. and ten, like, This is what happens with me. I don't know if this happens with normal people, but if my house is clean, it tends to stay that way. Whereas if there's um, a spot that was clean and someone put something down, like a T-shirt on, on a chair, then someone else will come along and put something on top of that T-shirt. And before you know, you've got a little stack of stuff that you need to deal with.
0: Yeah, so that, that's what I think email and Twitter has done. Yeah, you know, Email opened the door and then Twitter followed and then Facebook and... Well, Facebook first, then Twitter, then, you know, don't even get me started on app.net and all the millions of other things. Are you want that? Um, I am actually, but I haven't used it.
1: You just wanted to reserve the name?
0: No, the process wasn't that complicated. It was just, there's this thing and I have to join it. I'm a victim of the digital age. Mm. Um, so I think, yeah, you're right. Having a single place... A trusted place and we'll get this later when we talk about gtd but having a single place to put things a single inbox almost that can be used to gather things from other sources is an incredibly useful concept but let's talk about email so the best way to be productive with email of course Stephen, is to use your email inbox as a to-do list
1: right maybe um i don't think so though (laughs) No, certainly (laughs) Certainly not work for me but um i mean how
0: how do people do it at the moment like if if i went to any most doctors or healthcare professionals working in nhs mail and i opened their inbox the first thing that i would get is probably a warning saying that the inbox was full and you can't send or receive email
1: yeah, I mean, that's a terrible situation. That, I mean, yeah, mailboxes have limits, and and their inbox exceeds the limit, and they can't send or receive anything. I mean, ah, oh, what a nightmare! I guess you just—I mean—that that's someone who hasn't decided why they're keeping the mail. So they've decided first of all that they want to keep the mail in case they need it later, yeah. and they haven't deleted it. But actually, they haven't. You know, they can't need all of that stuff, and that stuff is clogging up and getting in the way of new things to do. And the worst thing in the world that you can do is actually use your email inbox to try and find out what you're doing that day. So almost use it like a calendar. So like, oh, I think I had a meeting on, uh, on you know, this morning. I wasn't quite sure where it was and maybe I should be looking through my email inbox to try and find that email with another thousand yeah. other emails that I've decided might be important later or might be not. But I've kept them anyway and now I can't send or receive anything. That's, that's I guess terrible.
0: going back to your analogy, it's like having a stack of papers, a thousand papers high in your physical in tray and every time you go to take one item you have to process all the other items to figure out if the thing that you've taken off the top is important or if there's something else that's more important
1: yeah nightmare
0: nightmare so that gets us onto inbox zero now you are a bit of an inbox zero guru aren't you steven
1: no it's not working for me anymore i oh, don't say that it's no really it's not i've got some problems with it but I mean, there's lots of even different d- implementations of Inbox Zero. So the idea is that basically you process in your inbox, and you try and change emails into verbs. So you you don't have to respond to every email, but you should check every email. And this goes back to to saving your time. You don't want to be glued to email checking it, you know, multiple times a day because it's a waste of time. And sometimes you you might have read an email but not really decided what you're going to do with it. And then you forget to do what you're supposed to do with it because you've checked it and read it but not actually really put it in a place where you're going to remember that w- what it is you're supposed to do. Yeah. And then you just get lost. And then you end up with a, a thousand emails in your inbox and um, you, you can't see what's important from what's not. Yeah. So the idea is that you turn off all email notifications and you check email when you want to check it when it's convenient to you. Now, I check my email... Um, formally a couple of times a day so I, I i will try and process my inbox in the morning some point not first thing about 10 o'clock and then again about four o'clock and each time um, you
0: process it you try and reduce it to zero either do or respond to the email in an appropriate way or place it in another place which you know is going to be actually a, a working to-do list as opposed to just this sort of garbage bin of stuff
1: yeah and that's the bit that i'm having a problem with at the moment so you, you take an email, say someone sends you an email, and you decide, what is this? Where does it belong? What do I need to do with it? So if you can respond to it, if you can reply, someone just asks a quick question, and you could do that in two minutes or less, it's suggested that you just go ahead and do it, because then it's done. And then you can do whatever you like with the email, be that delete it. Big fan of deleting mail. You should delete as much mail as possible, so that it's not clogging up your, your inbox or anywhere else. But once you have responded, you may want to keep it around you know, for documentation purposes or just because, you know, for, the, you know, nostalgia later, uh, you can archive it and just chuck everything into an archive. I think that's preferred to, because what I see often is people have about 20 to 30, maybe more folders. Yeah, there's
0: no need for that anymore. Search functionality is so powerful and whatever client you use, whether that's Gmail, whether it's, you know, Mail app, or whatever it may be, you know, the search is so powerful that, You know, I mean, I've seen people with incredibly complicated folder structures organized alphabetically. They might have, like, an A, B, C, like, top heading, and then under each one, a subfolder, then a subfolder under that. Um, And you'll never actually look in those folders. You might as well just archive it and just search by who sent it to you or the subject. Search is incredibly powerful. But having an archive is important, I think.
1: Yeah, absolutely. But
0: just make it it one folder.
1: Yeah, or or maybe a few. So I, I... When I implemented or when I started doing Inbox Zero a few years ago uh, properly, I used a system that I got from Lars Pinned. And I think it was a Top Funky production. And there was a few screencasts and I followed it. And he suggested making several folders. Um, And I can't actually remember what exactly one of those folders are. So maybe I should look at my mail. But basically there's an action folder where things you can't do in under two minutes, but you want to do them um, or or try and find out, you know, you can, do them later but when you're in a, a situation to do that you put them in an action folder yeah um and then i've got several other folders uh, underneath that that are a kind of part of the action folder and then there's just a big archive for everything else so the other folders i've got are waiting which is useful um so if you've sent someone an email or someone sent you an email but you you know you can't do it there and you're waiting for something you can put it in the waiting folder yeah But that only really works if you're going to go and check that on a regular basis.
0: I mean, I actually use, I have a waiting for uh, folder and I actually use that as a kind of um, short-term memory as well. So say I book a train ticket or something and I need that information for the next day. Or say I book a cab or something and I need that information. Um, I might need it in an emergency. I might be on my iPhone and the search isn't so great if you're just on your iPhone. I will put it into the waiting for almost like a sort of short-term memory reference, so I can just quickly go into waiting for, see that, um, and find that information quickly, the booking reference for the train or you know, the number I need to call if the cab doesn't turn up or, or whatever. So that's another use for that sort of waiting for folder. But the main use is, yeah, as you say, you delegate something um, and you need to be aware of it, but you don't need to actually action it and it shouldn't be in your inbox anymore.
1: No, no, mine's slightly different. So I have that. So I have a what's called a Tickler folder, which yeah, is tickler, I, yeah. like, as you've described. I yeah. have like what 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 do I, what do I need to do in the next two weeks? What's on horizon that I might need? So I've got someone sends me their timetable. You know, this is what I'm doing in the next week. I'll put it in there. If uh, as you say, I'm going to be getting a train or, or a flight, um, and I might need a piece of information in the next couple of weeks, it goes in Tickler. Whereas the waiting folder is something that I'm waiting for someone else to do so something that i might need to chase someone else up for yeah so it's not information that i might need it's uh things that i need to go through periodically to just say uh you know maybe remind someone that that i'm waiting for something or yeah. you know i've sent a uh, send something to someone and uh yeah, I, I just need to make sure it's been received and then so i've got the tickler folder which is a re- like as you say a reference but a short term reference but I've also got a notes folder, which is for long-term reference, and for that kind of stuff, it's things things that I've forgotten before and I know I'm going to need again. Yeah, like I've forgotten this more than once, and I know I'm going to need need this, and I'm just going to put it in this notes folder as a reference, so that if ever I need it, I know it's going to be there. Yeah, and the other folder I have is receipts. So anything that I buy, any web receipts that I get or email to me, go in the receipts. older
0: that makes sense so i have archive everything goes in there action for things i need to do waiting for which is also tickler i guess um yeah and that's it yeah um and i go through um i mean i must say I, i do have my email open but that's more to do with the kind of work that i do and the fact that people need to communicate with me often at short i'm trying to change that culture in the places that i work but unfortunately it's still there um but I tend to do a proper sort through my inbox twice a day and I reduce to zero each time. And the th- I, I find something like a mnemonic quite useful for when I look at a message deciding what to do with it. It's the four Ds, and we'll get to this later in GTD. But there are four actions you can basically do with a single item in your inbox. You can do it. And actually, don't, don't neglect do it because if something can be done... Remember, you're getting rid of that then. You can just do it and then archive it. So my rule is if it takes two or three minutes, then I just go and do it right there and then, obviously, unless I can't. But I, 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 and when I'm in my actual processing mode, I should have a period of half an hour to 45 minutes set aside, so I usually do have time to do it. Um, the next one is uh, defer it. Um, so that would go into either my um organizational system which for me is omni focus we'll talk about that a bit later um and that basically means i'm going to do it but i can't do it now i've got time so i need to put it somewhere into an actual trusted system not this rubbish inbox so that i actually will then go through that and do it at a later stage i can delegate it and this is quite useful this is something not everyone has access to people they can delegate things to but it's always worth thinking about am i the right person to be actioning this could i not perhaps get some input from someone else or ask them for it and then the final one is delete it um, and for me that tends to be archive i tend not to delete mail i tend to archive it
1: um, really you don't yeah. delete stuff
0: well if it's junk i delete it or if it's really not important i delete it but most uh. most of the time i, I maintain a fairly because i want to know i don't want it to disappear you know if someone asks me about it later i want to at least have access to it and to be honest mail storage now i mean obviously not nhs mail but mail storage for personal accounts um, and business accounts is so vast that you could just you could you know you could never fill it up.
1: Yeah, I used to do that, but I'm deleting so much mail now. It feels so good. Hit just hit delete. Yeah. When are you ever going to need it? But to be honest,
0: even if you hit delete, the the trash is pretty persistent.
1: <laughs> yeah, it depends what client you're on. But... Yeah.
0: So those are my sort of four actions. Um, and I think that's pretty similar between us. The important thing is just empty it. Get empty it decide which category which of those 4 Ds each message fits into yeah place it where it needs to go and then get rid of it from the inbox because if it remains in the inbox you'll be processing it again and again and again and again and that in, that contributes to the cognitive noise cognitive tinnitus
1: so the thing that i'm having big problems with is that action folder so this is what this is what i's not sitting well with me at the moment is that i've got or i had so much stuff in the action folder <laughs> and i had not really sat down and thought about what it was and when i'm going to do it so what i'll do when i process my mail is like can i do that now in under 2 minutes no do i need to do it if if the answer is no delete um or maybe a quick reply back saying i'm not doing this um and if i can't do it in under 2 minutes and i do still need to do it then it goes in the action folder, but I don't actually think about it. All I've, all I've d- made then, the decision I've made is I can't do it now, but I do need to do it. And I don't think I really properly go through that action folder yeah. and give each one of those emails enough time.
0: Yeah. So I agree with you. And that's why my action folder is usually empty. And that's actually because if I see an email that I'm deferring to another point, then I'll actually put it into a separate system, which I yeah. know I'll process
1: properly. And that's what I'm doing now. So, so now the, the action folder um, is more just like a holding area so that that email um, needs to go into... Once it's in my, my to-do list or, or um, is actually OmniFocus that I'm using, which I guess we'll come on to. Um, but once it's in my system for getting things done, then I can, I can archive it from there when I feel happy about doing that. Yep. But then also sometimes when you when you know that you're going to go back and do the task you might need the email's context. So I also use it as a bit of a holding area so that when I do get to doing the task, I've, I, I can flip back to the email in my email client and just see what was going on and, and what I exactly need to do. Yeah,
0: exactly. So I, if, if I've put something into my task management system based on email, which is needs an action, but I'm deferring, then I'll put it in the action folder as a holding pen so that when I get to that point in my task management, I can actually just find that quickly in the action folder and then do it and then get rid of it. So we've seen, we seem to have uh, arrived at a pretty similar place.
1: It's um, almost like we'd spoke about this before.
0: I and mean, we've never spoken about this, have we?
1: I don't think we have, actually. Not not, not together. The, not
0: the detail. Not the real nitty-gritty.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, so, okay, so that's folder organization, inbox zero. I think the next thing that's really worth speaking about, and this is a problem with email in general, is the great benefit of email that many people don't, realize and that is email is designed to be short form email is not really designed it's not a letter and i I see this over and over again and i know i've offended people doing this but you know great people have also offended people doing this you know steve jobs for example was notorious for replying in five words or something you know to most emails email is not designed as hi x thank you for your email full stop new paragraph and all that stuff and then all the best with some ridiculous footer and cop and like disclaimer saying that what you said can't be oh. held you know um but the legalese the legalese are so painful it's so painful
1: i mean especially when you've got an email that's um perhaps you haven't got a threaded email client and you're just look, trying to look through the back trace of how did this conversation develop oh, and in nightmare. between that you've got like not not you've got the email server messages for one but then you've got lines and lines and lines of people's yeah. legalese and everyone has a separate one oh it's a nightmare
0: so my honest advice, and you may offend some people initially, but people get used to you doing this and people have just accepted that this is the way that I usually now respond to email, is I don't put, have a greeting, I don't have a signature, I don't have anything like that, I just respond as if it's a text message. And there are a couple of helpful rules, one which Steve, I didn't know about till Stephen told me, five dot sentences.
1: Yeah, so it's F-I-V dot S-E-N-T-E-N-C dot E-S.
0: <laughs> well
1: remembered. i'm reading it oh you're reading it okay (laughs) and i nearly got it wrong even though i'm reading it
0: and the reason that's important is not because of course you should reply to every email in five sentences but in five sentences but because it makes you think if you have that in your mind every time you're composing a reply then you'll tend to gravitate towards shorter more concise responses um and the 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 thing that i always i always think when i'm replying to an email okay can i do this in five sentences if if best if i can do it in less and the other thing actually which i think a lot of people don't think about and which particularly if there are multiple people you're applying to you really need to think about and this may sound like i'm telling you to suck eggs but just think about it next time you're reading an email what do they want like what does that person want from me does it do i even need to reply um, most people tend to think when they get an email that, that every e- every email is like a personal handout from that other person and they have to take it and they have to respond to it. But that, but a lot of the time you don't even need to respond. So just think, do I need to respond to this? And what does that actually email demand of me? And how can I express that in the shortest possible amount and most concisely? How can I answer their question most concisely? Yeah. And, and I, that sounds really obvious, but I think about that every time I get an email now. And it's completely changed the way, the speed with which I can get
1: through my inbox. Yeah. Just taking that time to just say, you know, what is this? Who, who, who are they? What do they want? And what do I need to do about it? Or mm. well, how could I best serve this person?
0: Yeah. And often, don't be deceived by thinking that you replying is serving that person. Like, there's nothing worse than when you send someone some information and they reply with just, okay, full stop. Because that means I have then have to process that email people will actually thank you for not sending them email because you're you're not contributing to the problem. Um, so don't think you're people gonna think you're being rude. A lot of the time, actually, people are quite thankful. <laughs> Obviously, if it's asking you for something, you've got to respond. But um, I found that just thinking about that every time I take an email, I found that quite useful.
1: And you could probably take things uh, a step further. Going back to the sort of inbox problem, um, I, th- I really do feel that you need to protect your time and attention. And... Don't forget that your email address is giving someone unprecedented access to you. So they have access to you to ask things of you. And whether they, whether you actually do anything for them or not, they're at least sending you a mail to your inbox. You, you have to see and you have to either do something about either it stays there clogging up your inbox or you take the time to look at it, read it, delete it. But someone can email you anytime during the day or night. So yeah. your email address needs to be protected. I mean, it's it's your job list and it should only really go to people who ha- you want to have access to. If, if you don't want someone to have access to you, then don't give out your email and be protective of your email because it's, it's, it's access to you.
0: Yeah. And if you do get something and you don't like it, just kill it. Kill it. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I'm a bit of a people pleaser. So when I get an email, I feel the need to respond to it. But recently I've just taken the attitude that if I can't do anything about that, then and someone's asked something of me and I just can't deliver on that. Or, you know, if I just reply saying can't be bothered, then they'll take that as offensive. But actually they're going to find it less offensive if I just don't reply. So sometimes I just don't reply and just put it up in the air and go, well, if that person really cares. They'll probably get in contact again. And I think that's okay to feel like that. And it certainly helped me to manage the, the
1: deluge of stuff. Yeah, and I guess it's about sort of deciding. I really want to come on to this a bit later when we talk about GTD, but I guess um, it's also about deciding where your priorities lie and and knowing how busy you are as well. So, so if maybe bringing on to GTD, if you don't know how busy you are and and know what your priorities are then how can you effectively process your email? So how can you turn around and say to someone, yes, I'm interested in this, or no, I'm not interested in that? And how can you give someone the appropriate time that, that you have to allocate to them if you don't know how busy you are? Yeah. That seems a bit weird. Probably make more sense when we talk about it a bit later.
0: Yeah, well, I think we spoken actually about a little bit to do with GTD. So let's move on to talk now about GTD. People have probably heard us talk long enough about email. Um, but to summarise email, try and... Go through each email that you get. Use the four Ds, which we're going to use in GTD when we talk about that now, to try and get it down to zero. Have a very simple folder structure. And just think about, in terms of email, simplifying the replies, getting rid of the the stuff that's there that doesn't need to be there to try and improve your communication. And actually, people will thank you for it
1: because it's easier. What do you think about replying in line? Uh, What do you mean? So, like... um when someone does send, send you a big essay yeah. and there's several questions in there. So I'm not really sure what I prefer. I don't know if I prefer well I think I know what I prefer. So someone could if they've got five questions to ask, someone could send an email that's long with five questions in paragraph format. Yeah, or even know, just yeah. list or even just list them out. Yeah. I, I then, hate
0: I hate it. I hate receiving in yeah. responses because I have to read my email again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what I actually do is I answer, say there are five questions, I'll have one, two, three, four, five. But yeah. at the beginning of one, I'll think of one or two words that summarise what they said in their paragraph. Yeah. And then I'll give my response. Yeah. Because that, they know what they said. They don't want to have to read it again. Yeah. Um. So, but giving them that little bit of context for that point actually helps to bring them back
1: to that idea that they had. And then your response. I like the idea of summarising because... um I guess the problem is that if you do reply in line, you, you may misinterpret what someone said. Mm-hmm. So someone re- when someone's reading it back, the, when the sender reads it back, they read what they wrote and what they were asking, and then they read the reply. But maybe they don't match up and it doesn't make any sense. Whereas if you summarize it, at least you know that that person may have processed or you know misconstrued what you're trying to say, and the reason you've not got a satisfactory answer is because maybe you didn't phrase the question properly.
0: Yeah. And do you know what I often do when I get one of those long emails with five different points? I just reply with two words, call me. (laughs) Because email Uh, is often not the appropriate medium for these types of conversations. Yeah, for sure. And because it's so open to being you know, misinterpreted. And it can, it actually, I've been in situations, you know, bad situations where something has started being misinterpreted and it's gone down an entire line of 45 emails where it's resulted in some huge catastrophe. When actually, if we just picked up the phone and had a conversation... That could yeah. have been sorted out in five minutes.
1: I mean, that's crazy making, isn't it? Because yeah. I mean, I work in a room now where like uh, most of most of my lab group are actually in the same room as me. Yet we're all sitting there firing emails to and from yeah. email servers. Um, when actually we could just get up and walk over and tap someone on the shoulder and say, yeah. you know, let's talk about this for five minutes.
0: There's this whole movement actually about like digital responsibility in terms of this uh, big time in email. Like how much, how responsible really is it for me to bombard people with... Long emails, lots of attachments, you know, reply to all when there's 45 people in the mailing list, that kind of thing. Mm. Is that responsible both for the environment because of the storage for this kind of stuff and also to them? You know, if I send an email to all those people, each one of those people has to figure out what to do with that email. And that doesn't seem like a very responsible thing to do if it's not entirely necessary. But the problem is it's really easy. So a lot of people just do it. But just think before you, you know, start replying to so many people
1: i guess a lot of people like email because it's traceable so there's always like a document it's like a paper trail of what happened i mean auditors must love it hence right? the disclaimers at the bottom yeah which the basically say
0: whatever i said in this email don't take it as being my opinion i just happened to be high when i wrote it like but that's what basically it's saying it's like you know nothing in this email is of any significance whatsoever
1: and going back to that point of the, the, the really long emails with five different questions in the same email, I would actually as a as a receiver prefer to receive five knowing that you know I have the system of inbox zero in the way I use it, I would prefer to receive five different emails. Yeah. And then you won't miss things. So that's the other thing I probably we should say about email is that it's your responsibility as a communicator to make sure that your message is heard as loud and as clear as possible and if someone gets the wrong end of the stick yeah they might be stupid but no one wants to think they're stupid and <laughs> to be honest you're probably stupid because you didn't communicate that in the right way so yeah. you have to make sure that you communicate what you want in the most clear fashion you can otherwise things will go wrong and i recently had this this terrible terrible time when someone sent an email asking me to do something But, um, and this is a catalogue of disasters. So it was to do a presentation and they sent me an email and there were about 20 plus people who received the same email. So the email was generic and it was like, hey everyone, this, this and this and this. And in this essay of an email, there was one line (laughs) that said it, it was something for me to do. One line. And I've obviously scanned it, going, mm, yeah, yeah. This probably isn't for anything for me to do. Yeah. And you know, and I've I've not picked it up. And they didn't get into contact with me again about it. And there was a big mess. I look like the fool, but. Seriously. I mean, if you really want someone to do something... Don't send email them a them. long
0: email for multiple people with multiple uh, tasks for different people. Just ind- email the individuals with one line. <laughs>
1: with one line. Can you do this on the 8th of this? Um, yeah. and, and I'll say yes or no. Yeah. That's, that's...
0: And that gets me to another thing, which I actually I've become really militant about now. So I prune my response responses. So you know when you click reply, it often copies the entire thread below. What I do actually is I I get rid rele- of all the information below my response that's not relevant because I know that they have that information on their in their mail, so I'll often delete everything underneath. And also, what I do is I actually change the subject line. And I've been known if I can get away with giving my response in the subject line, I just give it in the subject line. And I don't have any content.
1: Oh yeah, but you, your subject lines—you have to think about subject lines. I don't be don't put your question. Uh, or, or don't put lots of information in the subject line. It should be one point. And actually, a good rule of thumb on the subject line is if there is something you want someone to do, it should be in the subject line. Yeah. Or, or some people categorize their email. So um, you, you might actually put something to do with the priority of the email or to do what, with what it's about. So, for example, you might say, just for some information, colon, and then say, you know, roughly what it's about and then put the details. So you put the gist in the subject line and the details go in the body of the email, but you don't want it to be too long.
0: No, no, absolutely not.
1: Or if you want someone to do something, you might say, for example, task, colon, and then whatever you think the task might be, and then put the details in the body. Yeah. But that's to do with, Everybody in an organization making a culture around doing that because if you try and do it as a lone wolf, you, you just look stupid.
0: Yeah. Okay, so that that's we could talk about email all day, but we need to move on to GTD.
1: Let's do it.
0: Let's do it. Okay. So it's really difficult to figure out how to approach the huge topic of GTD. Uh, just a bit of background. What is GTD? GTD stands for getting things done. It's a popular productivity methodology that was first described by an American chap called David Allen, um, who looked at who was working as a consultant, sort of business consultant with lots of different companies in the US and realizing that basically the sort of mechanisms of communication and personal productivity were just so poor that things were going around in circles and stuff just wasn't happening. So he wrote a book um getting things done and there's been a series of follow-ups. Um as a sort of way of managing everything in your day-to-day life. And that's both stuff that's given to you, your dreams, or whatever it is, but you don't quite yet know how to do it. But you need a trusted system, and you need a a trusted system to to start realising those fairly abstract ideas or tasks that need to be done. Um, And I guess... It can be summarised best by looking at the stages of GTD. Is that useful? Should yeah, I... let's do it. Because yeah. I
1: mean, because I use a number of different methods, and um, yeah, for each of those, yeah. each so, of those.
0: So let's just go through the five stages. So the five stages are capture, process, organise, do, and review. Yeah. Okay. So capture is actually the one that I almost like the most. It's basically saying that you need to capture every little thought to do or idea in a single tray. A single, like, almost, it could be a physical tray, it could be a digital tray, it doesn't matter. Um, But you need to get it off your mind and have it put in a safe place. So, you know, I have a random thought, oh, I need to take, the one they traditionally use is I need to take out the trash, but I might not be in the right place to take out the trash. But invariably... The point when the idea comes to me is going to be the least convenient place, you know, the least convenient time or location or whatever to do it. Um, So you need a place to put all this stuff so it's off your mind and you're no longer burdened by the cognitive tinnitus of this thing.
1: What was the example you gave there? Taking out the trash? Taking out the trash, yeah. I prefer the toilet roll one. What's the toilet roll one? So like, um, when are you best reminded... Or when is it most obvious that you need to go and buy toilet roll? When you're on the toilet and you've run out, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> not not when you're walking downtown or driving past the supermarket. Yeah, exactly.
0: But so you need to have this system. Now, there are so many ways you could do it. Some people keep like a moleskin sort of book in their pocket. Moleskin, moleskin in their pocket. Some people use an app to just get it down. Some people use the notes app. You know, you could just... I mean, David Allen proposed using flashcards, I think, in the original book. Uh, But you have to have a place. Okay, so that's capture. The next important thing is process. So the process is a set time when you sit down and you look at all those ideas that you've captured and you decide actually what that idea is and how you'll go about accomplishing it. Um, And actually, at that point, you can apply the Ds that I spoke about earlier. You know, do, defer, delegate,
1: or delete yeah they are the processing actions those
0: those are the processing actions so as you can see, a lot of this stuff sort of crosses over with with um, inbox um, email uh, productivity hacks um, so then you so once you processed, you then um, organize okay now this is really important and this is almost the crux of the the issue. This is when you take all of these things and you decide um, how you can turn that thing into an actual reality okay now often when we write down ideas or things we have to do that idea or that thing we have to do is often not what one might call a single action so say for example i have this crazy idea right now that i want to learn japanese okay and i write you that do? down i write that down on my thing on my flashcard or put it into whatever system i have for capturing the ideas but when i go to review it i realize that actually learning japanese is not a single action I can't just sit down and learn Japanese. I'm going to have to break it down. Learning Japanese is in fact what in GTD would be called a project, which is composed of a number of smaller actions. So I'd have to say, okay, so what are the actions in, in f- for that project? Well, I might have to research language schools online. I then might have to call this language school, this language school, and this language school. I then might have to order some books that they recommend online. I then might have to you know, schedule some time to go to the language school. You know, so as you can see, there could be, you know, a thousand actions potentially, and they don't have to put them all down at once. Often you only need a few and that will get you started. Um, but that is the process. It's basically taking that very abstract thing that you put down in the capture process and then organizing it into small steps, the smaller steps, the the better, to actually take you from zero to hero. No, does, that, does that make sense?
1: That makes perfect sense. Okay. But, but the, the most important, I think, for me anyway, and if I ever fall off the wagon with getting things done, it's at this step and it's reviewing.
0: Yeah, so we're not there yet. We you talk about doing. Oh, yeah. So capture, process, organise, do.
1: Um, Maybe that's where I fall down. I, know. Yeah, I just have a do is, just unfortunately, keep
0: unfortunately, no matter how much productivity you have... <laughs> how much skill you have in this, you ultimately still have to do work and you still have to do the things that are asked of you and that you set for yourself. But so doing is the hard bit. But the nice thing is, is that actually the mental effort of doing something decreases when you've broken it down into the individual pieces that allow it to, that, that lead you from nothing to getting that thing actually done, that goal. Um, so with a system like this, doing becomes easier, but you still have to do it. And then finally review, and Stephen can talk all about review because I don't review, but I should. You don't review? Yeah, I do review, but I'm bad at it.
1: Yeah, I think I'm really bad at it too. So I guess one approach would be every morning um, you wake up and before you start work, before you check your email, you see what are your projects. And I guess this is where you have to decide on what you want to achieve and you have to review each of your projects in terms of what, you know, where you're aiming and what are your goals. So what are your goals for the next, uh, you know, the next week? What are your goals for today? What are your goals for the next month, year, 10 years, so on? And in order to decide whether a project is relevant for you or even an action before you've made it into a project, you need to understand where you want to go. So, I mean, I, I'm really bad at this. Like I will accept and be enthused and motivated to do any kind of project when actually, probably, I don't have time, and I'm probably worse at it when I'm not sure what I have to deal with. So when I'm, when I, I probably accept too much when I'm not sure what responsibilities I've already accepted. Yeah, and reviewing helps me realise and put in context of what I want to achieve the projects that I'm going to put my time and attention towards. So in the morning, you get up you have a look at the projects that you've already got and you've already made like a mental commitment to them because you've got as far as deciding that they're actions you want to do, uh, processing them, organizing them into projects and putting them in your your getting things done system. So if they're there and you're reviewing them, you've already made kind of a mental commitment to them and often you would have made a commitment to a person as well. So it's worth reviewing them and saying, am I really going forward on this project? like I want to and what is the next action for this project what can I do to move this project forward and if you don't have one then think of one um because if you don't have one then the project's going to stall and it's not going to get done yeah but also it's a chance to turn around and say am I committed to this project anymore does it fit in with what I uh said I would do does it fit in with what I want to achieve in the however uh you know the however near or far future yeah
0: I mean, technically, though, review as it's described in the original book is a, a weekly, a, a once-a-week task that you do that enables you to keep in touch with your project and actions and to make sure that everything is heading in the right direction and to prune your system. Um, and that actually may be where you're going wrong a bit, trying to review too much.
1: I actually don't. I was just using that as an example. So I don't actually review it every day. I mean, I think I'm going to try that because what I found is that I am reviewing probably once every 10 days. And, um, I'm usually when I do that, I, I I'm not in a place where, um, I've really decided what, what I'm going to do. So what, what, what I plan to do in the future is I've got okay. a list of goals and they may be, I mean, in the book they talk about runways and 10,000, 20,000, 30,000 feet views. Yeah, And that's just different levels of your life where you want to consider things. So the runway view is your desk. And the fifty thousand foot view is your sort of life's purpose, <laughs> and every bit every run in between that different uh, you know altitude will be um, a different level of your life um, usually relating to time and um, and scale so I think I want to do it more often and I want to do it in the context of my goals so I want to get i've got a document with all my goals in and it contains everything from the runway view what, what's my goal what do i really want to achieve today to what do i really ultimately want to do and you know that may be in the next year or the next 10 years or even you know before i die yeah sounds a bit morbid but only then i think once having reviewed that can i really then assess whether i want to do this or that project
0: yeah yeah no i think that's a that's actually a really good way of trying to keep some perspective because one of the problems with the system is that you can overcommit yourself to so many things and then end up doing none of them because you feel so overwhelmed. Um, so I think those are the sorts of stages of the basics, um, the methodology capture process, organize, do, review. But one of the really powerful things for me in GTD is this idea of action and context. Or Actually, I'm going to say action, context, and start date because those are the key things. So these are the key Elements of any single item in the list. Okay, so say you've got a project, learn Japanese, and under that there might be ten individual actions that sequentially will take you to the first point of learning Japanese. The problem is, is that you might not always have be. It might not be the right time. It might not be in the right place. Um, In other words, it might not be the right context for you to do an individual item. So, for example, if the first item on the list is research Japanese schools, and that obviously has a context probably of online and you're not online, then you can't move forward with that particular item. Um, So once you've got context in place, what this enables you to do is to essentially say, in the moment, okay, at the moment, I am online. I'm going to only look at individual tasks from all of my projects that have the context of being online. So what that can actually help you to do is, in a way, multitask. You can do items from multiple different projects across multiple different areas of responsibility and globally, across all your projects, move each project forward. And... That, for me, certainly, um, along with this 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 idea of capturing things as they occur to you, is one of the most powerful features of GTD.
1: Absolutely. Like, if you've got five phone calls to make and uh, you know, you've know you taken the time to sit in a quiet room with a phone and you can just rattle through those five phone calls, I think it's, it's, it's tremendously yep. and satisfying. And then you've moved
0: perhaps five different projects one step closer to completion.
1: But whilst you're doing that, you must also have with you a method of capturing any tasks or thoughts that come out of that phone call. Yeah. So they can feed back into the projects. Yeah.
0: Bear in mind, though, the context don't always have to be specific places or locations. So this is something which I've come to fairly recently, and and there's actually a really good um, video. There's a whole series of videos on on Vimeo um, produced by the Omni Group, which produced Omni Focus, um, when they had a sort of gtd orgy where they got all these gurus of gtd together and they gave short talks and one of these talks was about um actually what context mean in our modern always connected lives so when david allen first wrote the book gtd he had in mind the filofax because that's how people tended to organize their lives um they didn't have mobile phones in them all the time they didn't have you know all they would have was would basically be a filofax um But nowadays, we're so connected all the time that actually having an email context is pretty useless because you've always got access to your email. So what I actually do is I have a fairly different system of context, which are more about my energy level and and state of mind at that moment in time. So for example, my contexts are short dashes, which essentially means something that I can basically do with very minimal energy and that I can get a tick on my list for and I'll feel good about. Um, I've then got something called routines, which, again, is usually something that I have to do fairly often. It's repeating um, and I can just tick those off very quickly. I've got things I've got actually one for calls um, because I think that's quite an important area. I've then got one called full focus. Which basically, because I do quite a lot of software development, you tend to need to be in full focus. Distractions aren't great if you're a software developer. You need to be in full focus mode. So anything to do with software development, you know, say I'm, I've had my lunch and I'm sitting down to do some work for the afternoon. I'll just only look at the actions that are in the full focus context and see those things that I need to really concentrate on from that point of view. And then I have some interesting ones as well, one called thinking which is just I try and set a t- a t- um, some time aside every day where I just for half an hour focus on the thinking category. Now, often yeah, that's, that might be, for example, you know, preparing a mind map for a presentation I've got to give or preparing a mind map of a bit of software that I've had in my mind or something like that. Um, and then the last one is one I call brain dead, which is basically something that can be done with zero energy um, but can still actually move me that bit closer um so that's that's another way of sort of organizing your context that's not just like location or technology that you have available at that particular point
1: yeah i've got some i've got some additional uh different ones so i've got uh a something to google so if i want to look something up um i've got a context for that and that's not necessarily online so for example if I'm waiting um, I'm sort of waiting for someone and I've got, you know, they say oh, I'll be five minutes and I've got five minutes, but in that time, that five minutes may be wasted. But if I can immediately go to my lookup list, I could probably Google one, maybe two items and just read the Wikipedia page or, you know, a, a page on Google about it. So I think that's quite useful. And there's a concept of geofencing. So where you actually tie your, um, your location-based context to an actual GPS coordinates. And that may even be searchable. So I don't, I don't know if you can get on OmniFocus for iOS. I don't think you can get um, a geofence that is searchable. But let me explain what I mean. So if you need to go to, um, let's say, the chemist to pick up a prescription, you can geotag your local chemist so that when you come within a certain distance of the chemist or when you're downtown, you will get a notification to go into the chemist to go and look at it. Or you don't have to have a notification. You can just pop open the app and say, right, I'm in town now. What are all the things that I have to do today? And it knows where you are by GPS and gives you a list of things that you're supposed to do in that location, which is incredibly useful.
0: Yeah, which actually the Reminders app, the, the app that comes on every iPhone, iPad, and, you know, on the Mac, is great at that. And you can set, you can geofence on that and it will pop up a reminder.
1: Yeah, that's amazing. And can you search on that Reminders app or not?
0: I'm not sure I had this crazy idea of shifting just to using the Reminders app, but it didn't work. Um.
1: So I know that um, in OmniFocus, you can search. So you can say supermarket, Yeah. and it will do a Google search on supermarkets and work out where the nearest supermarkets are, and then it will um, give you the tasks displayed for, for where you are in terms of the supermarket. But I don't think it will actually give you a notification based on that, because I don't think you can search when the app's not running, so yeah. maybe that's why.
0: Okay, so let, let's move on now. To th- those are the sort of basics of GTD and why you want to use it. Shall we talk about some apps now?
1: We could do, although I'd, I'd like to maybe just say why, why anyone would bother doing this. And okay. <laughs> I think we've, sp- we've spoke about the, um, the paper list before. That was one of our podcast episodes. And I think a task manager like this is, is absolutely uh, astounding for being able to get things done in the hospital because think about it so you've got a patient mr uh, bs let's say and he's got a pneumonia and there were a number of items that you need to do for that guy so you need to modify his drug, ch- r- drug chart but actually the drug charts in pharmacy you need to when you have the x-ray meeting on thursday you need to discuss his x-ray and decide whether you need to do a ct scan the, you also need to be able to uh, get some of his discharge summary prepared so that when he goes home uh, things aren 't delayed and you need to call the social worker now there are loads of different things but they 're all in different places so for example, you might want to to have context and and that's i mean that 's just one patient imagine having twenty patients on your list and having similar tasks that can only be done when you 've got certain tools or in a certain place it's it 's a bit of a a, a task and a challenge to manage that when you've got everything squashed in the side of a margin on a paper list.
0: Yeah. And if you want to see that in action, check out the House Officer app.
1: <laughs> so the idea being is that you have specific context for things. So like, I can only really update this guy's drug chart when I'm with his drug chart. Yeah. And that's probably going to be on the ward. Yep. So your context will be ward. And then you could list that task un- underneath Underneath it. Say you've got four patients and you need to discuss four patients in the x-ray meeting. The other context could be discussed with radiologists in x-ray meeting on Thursday. That would be a specific context. So radiology meeting would be a context. Yeah. So that when you go to that radiology meeting, you don't need to thumb through three pages of lists and try and find all the tasks uh, and 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 be in danger of missing one you can just open up your context and say well i'm in the radiology meeting right now what tasks do i need to do who do i need to discuss and it's yep. all there
0: and that that's the great advantage of having this kind of database is it's, it you can apply all these filters you know show me all the tasks that you know are currently outstanding that i can get done in this context of the x-ray meeting for all of my different patients and you can just have that in a second
1: so how do, how do you manage priorities? Because, I mean, the usual task managers that you see have got low, medium, high priority.
0: Yeah. So I use start dates for priority. Yeah. So when I... Start dates are really great, in a, in, 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 and I'm pretty sure that most... Well, I'd say some um, task management says OmniFocus certainly has it. But um, start dates allow you to remove something from your view, but know that it's going to come back at a date that you set so you can say for this action i can't do that right now i don't i don't have the energy i haven't got the resources available but i do want to see it in a week so set the start date to one week from now and it'll only appear again in my list in a week and that's actually a really powerful way of trying to when you look in the morning at all the things that you know theoretically you could do that day you can just go through them really quickly and put them, you know, say, no, one week, I'll oh, look at that again tomorrow, one week, one week. You want to be a little bit careful with that because you can end up doing it with everything because you don't want to do anything at all. You don't want to do that do bit of the, uh, of the process. But I find actually start dates are a really good way. Other people use flags, for example. Some people have a spe- another like semi-context, which is high, medium or low priority. But I haven't found, I've tried those, I haven't found them particularly useful.
1: Yeah, I guess the problem that I have with start dates is... I think that breeds procrastination because procrastination in my mind is always, should I do this now? Mm, I'll do it later. And exactly, <laughs> you described that process. Like, do I have the energy to do this now? Well, no, probably not. I'll delay it. And I could just see myself if I did that. But just there's more to it than that, stuff.
0: Because every time you look at that item, you are automatically not just taking into account your energy. you are taking into account, okay, has that got a deadline on it? You know, and if that if that's the case, then okay, I haven't got the energy now, but I do need to make sure that I, do, I look at it again knowing there's a deadline tomorrow or the next day. Um, but it's not lost. It's not lost yeah. in my mind. It, it will come back and I will see it again. Um, so you're right. I think there's a bit of a double-edged sword, but the system fails, I think, if you don't have something like this because you get overwhelmed.
1: And what do you put in, in your uh, task manager? So what do you put in OmniFocus? Because some people say that you should limit everything in OmniFocus to what you're going to plan to do or commit to in the next two weeks.
0: Yeah, well, I don't micromanage every second of my life so for me taking out the trash is a single item not a project of standing up from my desk walking to the trash can opening the trash can you know <laughs> nothing yeah. as as micromanagerial as that
1: make sure the bin's not leaked on the floor yeah. make sure the cat's not licking the leak that came <laughs> yeah. from the
0: bin i mean you you could really get into some serious uh a, a serious um serious uh what's the word i'm looking for it's like obsessive compulsive yeah. Show me the blueprints. Show me <laughs> yeah. the blueprints. <laughs> you can really get into that if you're not careful. But on the other hand, you need to have a system where everything that's important to you, it's there. You need to have that trusted system. So yeah. if, okay. if if you're fragmented, then you won't trust the system and
1: you won't use it. Okay, get this. So this is what I'm doing now. So this is why I want to review every single day. So um, I don't have a priority, but I review everything, and I I literally throw everything in OmniFocus. Um, all my tasks, everything, ubiquitous capture, it's all in there. I organise it to projects, and when I review it, I have to be ruthless. So I either say... I am going to do this, I'm going to make a commitment to this, or I say, look, this is so busy, I, I, I don't think I'm going to be able to get to this, and then it just I cut it, and it's never in OmniFocus again. I do have a running text file that I keep projects that I might do later in, so I may put it in there, or even in OmniFocus, I've got a little project for things that I might want to consider doing later, yeah. but I'm really not going to get to it now. So I review absolutely everything, and then I take that all of the tasks on that list, and I decide, what am I going to do today? And I have another task manager. Oh,
0: my so, God.
1: Yeah, so this is a bit weird. I've done this in the last maybe month, and it's working quite well. So I have a... Um, have you heard of Due app? It's a Mac yeah. iOS app. Yeah. So I use Dew. Um and I primarily bought that because doing research, you need, and, and in the lab, you need kind of timers that do, you know, for different things. So I need to start five different timers at once. And it was really, really, really good for that. But also, I started using it as a task manager. So I look and I do my review, and then I say, right, well, what am I going to get done today? And the tasks that I want to achieve today, which I've selected based on my goals and my review, uh, go into due. And then I just work through due. And then at the end of the day, I'll almost do like another review of OmniFocus to see uh, and do and see, you know, what I had time to do, what I didn't have time to do. And, and uh, I recycle some tasks if I need to.
0: Yeah. That's a good system, but mm-hmm. I'm not going to try it out. It's a bit messy. <laughs> I don't need any more productivity tools in my life. So anyway, talking about productivity tools, let's talk about the different ones that are available, what we would recommend, what the costs of these things are, um, because they often do have a cost. Um, so the one we've been banging on about is the grand sort of, not the granddaddy. Well, it, it kind of is getting like the granddaddy now. but Uber. Yeah, it's like it's it's the big one, which is specific a program specific, specifically designed for GTD practitioners, and it's called OmniFocus. However, the entry point is expensive. So I've just looked on the App Store; it costs fifty five pounds uh, to get the Mac version, and then if you want to get the iPad and the iPhone versions as well, you know you're going to have to spend. Know, even more and i think they're about 20 or 30 quid each version. let's just
1: say doing reviews on the ipad is amazing yeah the ipad was built for omnifocus reviews as yeah. far as i'm concerned yeah
0: no i agree with that so that's omnifocus what other things are good so often people um a lot of people came up to me after the digital doctor conference for example when i gave a talk on on gtd and they said well you know it's quite i'm not really sure that you know this is really for me and but I want to give it a go, but I don't want to spend 60 quid plus in order to just give it a go. So are there any other, thing, any other things out there? Um, and one of those things is called Things, um, and which is a, a simpler, the learning curve for the app is, is less. Uh, it's cheaper. It costs 35 pounds on the app store. Uh, it actually looks nicer. So it's got a nice sort of graphical user interface that will make you feel warm and fuzzy every time you open it and tick off a, a to-do item. Um, and it's got fantastic sync as well. So it syncs, you know, if you get the iPad and the iPhone version, it syncs really, really well across all of those. Um, So those are the sort of the big ones from, you know, that I recommend to people. But there are lots and lots of others. I mean, if you just look at the productivity section on the App Store or the, uh, you know, on on Mac, iPhone or iPad, you'll see hundreds, thousands, tens of thousands of things. Um, And one of the dangers is almost... You know, flipping between different applications, thinking that oh, this is the application for me, and this is what they rely
1: on. This is the application. This is going to be the one. You know? Yeah, do, don't go and buy OmniFocus just because we both use it. Yeah, I wouldn't do that. Yeah. What do they? There must be a term for that: flipping between and procrastinating with your uh, your productivity tools.
0: Um, procrastinate, procrastination, promiscuity disorder.
1: Yeah, that's good. PPD.
0: PPD, something like that. A bit like GTD. PPD. Um, but there are other things out there lots of like web-based tools that you can use i mean really simple um, stuff and one that a lot of people swear by is something called remember the milk which um, has i think they do have iphone stuff but that's based on sort of google technologies and i think you can get it online in a web interface for free Um, a lot of people really like that actually you know you can implement a fairly basic gtd system just using the apps that come with um i'm not sure i think android has a to-do thing built in i'm not sure but uh, iphone certainly has the reminders app which is quite powerful as we spoke about earlier it suddenly got the geofencing stuff in it but you can set up a system whereby you assign context to things and stuff like that and search through context search by context and it will filter that kind of thing um so that works quite nicely Stephen, do you use anything else
1: I don't but um David Allen actually originally conceived this to be a paper system because I think it was yeah. it preceded the the sort of app explosion if you like and um and I know a couple of people who do use a paper system I know a couple of people who use Evernote um yeah. to, as a GTD system I've got no idea how that would work but if you read the book quite carefully uh, david adams book i think uh you might be able to work something out if you google gtd apps um top three links quite handy so i've been playing online while you were talking ed uh <laughs> not 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 that you were talking for very long but there's um so the second app da- uh second web page down on that google uh as of april 2013 uh is net slash tag slash gtd and uh, there's a little poll. So I just did a poll, and it says, what are you using? Are you using OmniFocus things or something else? And I hit OmniFocus. 25 quarter people use OmniFocus. 30% use things, and 30% use something else. And then 12% uh, says nothing else. I don't use a GTD app or to-do list. Well, then why did you go to that page? (laughs) And (laughs) they're thinking about, they're
0: procrastinating about GTD. They haven't yet taken the plunge into the cold pool.
1: Uh, another one of those links is uh, uh, on from Lifehacker. So five best GTD applications, and um, remember the milk is there. Microsoft Outlook. Uh, I would never <laughs> recommend that from anyone. But um,
0: actually, there is a plugin for Microsoft Outlook that does GTD.
1: Yeah, there's a few things there, but there's a really good site. Uh, it's Preactor.com, and they've got this interactive GTD software chooser. So the first question you go through on their little algorithm is. What computer do you use for work? Okay, so well, I use a Mac. Are you having trouble focusing on the right tasks at the right time? Absolutely. (laughs) Um, Are you having difficulty balancing life areas, work versus family versus personal, etc.? Are you,
0: Stephen? Are you really? Do you want to talk about it?
1: uh, No, I'll get into trouble. So you say, yes, give me balance. That sounds good. Balance the force. How much email do you get a day? Um, and it goes from almost none, naught to 10, to I'm drowning, 50 plus. I'm going to hit 50 plus because that's typical. Um, and a lot of those are actually junk, but let's that's, that's just say that. Which company, team, or communication features would be helpful? Easier delegation, automatic follow-up, blah, 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 blah. So I'm going to say I don't really collaborate with anyone else in terms <laughs> of like my day-to-day work, so I don't really want any of those things. So I'm going to leave it. Uh, how much time do you spend travelling, working? Well, m- not far. Not m- not very. I'll say one to three hours a week, even though I probably do more than that. Um, and I have an iPhone. It's asking about devices. iPhone, iPad. And do I need it to look pretty? Yeah, why not? And what does it come out? I really want to see what's this come out. I'm successfully using GTD or I'm struggling to implement GTD?
0: I think you are using GTD.
1: You think? I, I feel I, I feel like I'm struggling.
0: I think people will regard you as at least an advanced, intermediate, advanced user of GTD, based upon what we've spoken about.
1: Holy crap! Comes up with this. Look, people in certain professions tend to have similar needs. Are you any of the following: business owner, executive, manager, doctor, lawyer, none of the above? Well, add your two. I'm going to click doctor here. And um, beyond tasks, what problems are you dealing with? Well, let's say email. And Ah, oh, I have to sign up to get the results. Oh no way! Don't go to that site. No, it's given me like three. It's given me three um, recommendations, but I don't know if these are sponsored or not. So it's gone Dundesk, Noobs, and Get It Done. But yeah, it's never, not never me heard of any of
0: those.
1: I've never heard of it. Where's OmniFocus?
0: Yeah, don't go to that site but do it's the ask first, yourself those questions.
1: <laughs> it's the first link on Google, but I would ask yourself those questions. Uh, but they do list, like, a lot, a lot of apps. Uh, it might be worth just sifting through them to see if you can get any of those. Also, uh, I would go to 43folders.com.
0: Merlin Man.
1: Merlin Man. Mer-
0: yeah. Yeah, so 43folders. Uh, I'm not sure how much he updates there anymore. but it
1: doesn't. He it doesn't. It's a resource.
0: It's a resource, okay. Yeah. Okay, that's GTD. I want to talk about very briefly because I know that we've been going on for an hour and 11 minutes and 20 seconds.
1: Um, yeah, let's, I mean, let's just talk. I mean, it's <laughs> no point cutting it short <laughs> um, just to, to fit into some notional idea of, of how long a podcast should be.
0: Yeah, basically, if you're still sticking around now, well done. Um, I'd like to talk about two other apps that I use quite a lot. Um, I'm a Mac user, um, but actually one of them is very available on Windows and the, the principles of the other one can be extended onto Windows platform very easily. So one actually Stephen's already mentioned, that's Evernote. Um, Evernote is a... Uh, I think it, was, it sort of arrived in about 2007 and the idea of it was like an a application that's on your iPhone, iPad, and your computer, whether that's Windows or Mac. Um, it's even got Android and Windows Mobile, and I think BlackBerry clients as well. And that's on everything. That acts as a sort of external brain. Um, so the idea is, is there's this, this sort of folder structure, um, or no folder structure because the search actually is very good on it, like, like email, where you basically just dump things. Um, dump reference material, dump... Um, I actually put all my, um, I shouldn't actually probably say this on a publicly available thing, but I scan in, I scan all of my uh, bank statements and receipts and everything like that. And that just goes in there in a certain folder. Uh, And the really nice thing about Evernote is you can store lots of stuff in there and the search is amazing. So it will actually, if you put like a photo or a scanned document in there and you type a search into the top, it'll actually it will actually scrape the content. It will actually OCR the content of the scanned stuff to find your search term, even within documents. Um, And I find it just amazing just to basically put stuff in. Um, I use it a lot with email as well. So when you have an account, you get an email address as well. So I can forward an email for reference to my Evernote email address and it will just get dumped in there. Um, So basically I use that as my external brain sort of reference point.
1: Uh, reference sort of um just they they can even got a handwriting handwriting recognition haven't they
0: yep so if you search for something which you've written however with most doctors writing it probably would take quite extreme ocr algorithms to interpret it but yeah handwriting pictures everything it will it will find text and make it searchable
1: it's really good um for paperless workflow yeah you've got a scan snap yeah or you can get I think Canon do a lightweight uh, printer where you basically have a document feed tray, tuck like 10 papers in there, hit go, and it will just scan front and back.
0: Yeah, so I have a scan snap. I put in a document. I press the button on the front. It scans, double side scans each page and dumps it into OmniFocus and opens a window for me to say what it is. So it's like one tap and then a bit of typing and then- You mean Evernote? Sorry, Evernote, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, scan snaps are amazing bits of kit.
1: Up until like a couple of months ago, I was actually struggling with what to use Evernote for. But now I'm now I'm using it as my lab book, yeah. which is great. Great as a research lab book because not only do I have to, instead of drawing things, I just take photos. Yeah. So
0: if then I've you got can like tag. Some, yeah
1: yeah. So if I've got some cells growing in a plate, I'll just take a photo of them, and then underneath I'll just write what it was. Or I'll take I write my protocols in something else. Uh, I actually use Byword, um, so I'll write my protocol out. And I'll copy and paste that into Evernote. And that's the protocol that I want to follow. And as I'm going along, if there are any, you know, if I'm supposed to leave something for 10 minutes and then I spent too long drinking coffee and I actually took 15 minutes, I can just modify that on the fly. It's really quick.
0: Yeah. So Evernote's really great. It's available everywhere. Um, there's free accounts. There's premium accounts, which aren't very expensive and they add a few extra nice bits of functionality. Um, actually, you can use Evernote for working in Teams as well. You can have shared folders and stuff like that, which is quite good. I don't, I do some collaborative work, but like Stephen, not too much. So I don't use that a lot, but that's a new feature they've added, so do check that out. Um, the other app, which I've just come to and which is really great, is fairly new on the Mac, and I use this for writing, text, notes, and everything like that is in, it's called Ulysses mm and it is fantastic. So it basically just gives you a single place with folder structures and things to put all your uh, text text-based, text-based notes. Uh, it supports, it looks beautiful. It supports Markdown by default. If you don't know about Markdown, you should definitely look it up. I don't think we've got time to explain it. Stephen's done a fantastic podcast on Markdown, um, which is available on YouTube. We'll put it in the show notes. Yeah, it's on YouTube. Yeah, on on the basics of Markdown and why you should use it. There's also a great iBook that just came out by David Sparks, who is one of the hosts of the Mac Power Users Uh, and there's also a he's a geeky professional he's a lawyer in the us um and it's a really great ibook that with videos and stuff and showing you how to use markdown and why you should use that for writing as opposed to just opening microsoft word um so do check out ulysses i could talk for probably another hour on why i love ulysses and And, uh and
1: the plain text revolution maybe we should talk about plain text because um i've got a lot of things to say on that actually i really let's do an episode on plain text and csv that would be interesting
0: yeah but not now
1: not now it's but if far, if you are far writing
0: far notes uh long form notes and you want the way of organizing them into different folders and you want to add sort of markdown capabilities um and make those things readable everywhere have a look at ulysses have a look at byword is another one but you have to implement your own folder structure in byword um and there's lots of ones byword's on the um ipad and and iphone as well
1: yeah, iCloud and Dropbox Sync. Yeah. I won't touch a Mac that doesn't have both of those.
0: Yeah. Oh, and if you're not, oh, we should probably talk about Dropbox, shouldn't we?
1: Uh, we could do. Yeah, I mean, collaboration is, is something I want to talk about at some point. Okay, Dropbox go. Collaboration, go. No, 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 no. Not now. Uh, different a different episode. It's, yeah, it's an episode itself.
0: Collaboration for organizing stuff, like the Digital Doctor Conference.
1: Yeah, just in general. But in terms of... So you're using Ulysses and um, you can be sure that if Merlin Mann has tried something and mentioned it somewhere, I would have picked it up and either bought it or used it or tried it. So at the moment, I'm using um, a fork of Notational Velocity, which is a sort of notes writing app. And it was written um, and forked and modified by Brett Terpster and others. But it's called EnvyAlt. So I use that, and it's basically, I guess, like Ulysses, Ed? Is it, I mean, I can't imagine there's too many differences other than yeah, one looks... Yeah,
0: just, it's just Ulysses has got... With NVL you have to do quite a bit of customization to get it the way you want. But basically, somebody has read my mind with Ulysses and created all the customizations already, and I just have to download the app and use it.
1: That sounds amazing. Yeah. And I sync everything actually through SimpleNote. Yeah. And also through a Dropbox folder. Do you do that?
0: Um. No, I think Ulysses just, I think it syncs to iCloud and I back it up on Dropbox. Yeah. To be honest, any most long form writing that I do and I put in Ulysses, I'm sitting at my computer. I'm sitting at my computer most of the time, to be honest. So I don't really have a lot of need for sync. Can't be checked. Back up. Yeah. Um, So yeah, check that out. I don't know whether they have a, I always feel that we talk about apps and we don't tell people enough about them um like how much they cost what platforms they're available for
1: that's all stuff you can i mean that's the kind of stuff's going to change isn't it and that stuff you can find out on the web i mean it's not it's not hard to if, if people listening can't uh type that into google then um <laughs> i fear i fear for humanity so
0: ulysses costs 40 dollars um and it is just fantastic. I mean, look at that. If you just Google Ulysses, it's actually Ulysses 3. Uh, and just look at the website. You'll basically want to buy it immediately. If you're anything like me.
1: It looks like a Mac app.
0: Yeah, it does. Definitely looks like a Mac app. It's nice. It's very nice. I like it.
1: I'm almost, I'm almost purchasing it. I'm going to have yeah, to... I, I, I think
0: that. you're going to have to control yourself.
1: I'm, not, I've, I'm already set up with Notation of lost Art, which is free. So uh, if you want to try this, then... Then I
0: go for NVR. Yeah, Alt. go for NVR. Yeah, but Stephen, you can drag and drop from NVR straight into Ulysses.
1: Uh, what about Markdown Preview?
0: <laughs> yeah, it integrates in Marked. Okay. So you can preview in Marked.
1: Okay. You're not helping me here. I know, but you should buy it. It's very good. It's twenty seven ninety nine. Bargain. It'll mm. change your life.
0: You see, what people are now understanding is the process that we go through when we have to deal with these new tools and the horror.
1: Yeah. I'm not going to buy it. No, don't buy it. It's a waste of time. Yeah. Because <laughs> then I'll spend like the next like hour or two getting all of my notes out, making sure they sync properly, customizing <laughs> the layout of Ulysses if you could do that.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and then managing
1: change... my receipts from the Apple yeah, uh, store. Exactly.
0: The, the having to file those in Evernote and then put them in your account's application and... You'll want to change the color scheme on Ulysses and you'll be downloading custom color schemes and trying to install them. Yeah, yeah.
1: i will be Googling how to do specific things. Yeah,
0: you know, you know where this leads. Yeah. So I think that actually leads us really nicely onto the very last thing you'll be pleased to hear in this podcast, which is some of the dangers of productivity. So I think we probably covered this just through our conversation. You can probably realize that once you get into this stuff, you can really deceive yourself that just implementing a new system or implementing a new tool or using a new thing is going to and somehow get your work done and in fact it gives you an endorphin it gives you like a sort of um preemptive endorphin for having completed your task by using a new system because you, you it almost feels like you know a new slate that this is going to be the this is going to be the way um and i think we should all try and remember with all this stuff that you know ultimately you just need to get stuff done you just well you just need to do it don't you to
1: you figure out what just to, need do to, to do and just need to do it. Yeah, you do just need to do it. But this is about doing things smarter. Um, and I think probably one of the biggest dangers for me um, is actually one of the benefits. So um, the calendar is very important for me. And with email, I don't have to think about doing email, and I don't have to remember what's in my inbox because I've got the system. And you do have to trust the system. And if you don't trust the system implicitly, it's not going to work. So you have to trust that if something is in your email inbox, that it's going to get looked at. It's going to get processed in the right way. And if something needs to be done, it's going to get done or it's going to find its way into your task manager. Yeah, which again needs to be another trusted system where you collect all the things that you need to do and you, know, you have to know and you have to trust that you're going to look at them responsibly and you're going to be able to go through those things uh, in a logical manner. And the calendar is very important as well. So if there are tasks that are time-bound, like... For example, if someone emails me a timetable that I need to go through, that might be a task, like find out on the rotor where I'm working and put those things on the calendar. And I have to trust at some point that I'll do that. And I've got to the point where I do trust it. I do trust that if someone emails me a rotor, that I will eventually process it in my email, put that task in my task manager to actually go and look at my calendar and manage swaps and things. And I trust it so implicitly that I never know what I'm doing anymore. And it infuriates people. So if someone says, can you do this tomorrow or Thursday, I have to get my phone out because I really have none of that information in my head anymore. It's all in apps because I trust it so implicitly. I just don't need to remember it. And that's one of the beauties is that it frees my mind up to do other things. But it also is quite, quite a problem because I, I never really have it in my head. And it can get a bit annoying for other people. I have been caught out once or twice. And especially if you let something, because you trust the system, if something goes wrong with the system or something slips, which which can happen because you at one level do trust the system, but if you fall off the wagon and don't do things as you're supposed to, things get missed and then you end up making a mess.
0: Yeah, so you have to either go for it or not use it. Because if I think your brain will work better than a non-functioning GTD system
1: yeah but you also need to know when it's going wrong, which yeah. is also why I want to do the review every day because I know that if I for whatever reason miss a review, that's a warning sign for me. It's like well, you know you maybe you you've not been quite as on it as you should do, and if you've not done a review in two days, then it's time to sit down for an hour and 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 just make sure that everything's where it should be yeah
0: so I think that's I think that's pretty much done it. We talked about what is productivity, why doctors can benefit. Email, Inbox Zero, how to organise your folders, short responses. Talked about GTD, the bits of software. Um, We talked a little bit about Evernote and text writing applications that we like, and some of the dangers of productivity.
1: Yeah, and I think it. We should say that these are the kind of things that we're going to be talking about in future digital doctor conferences, and that it's an evolving process. So. My system changes pretty much every month. New apps come out, new ways of working, new thoughts, and my life changes. So these kind of things in the way I work and the workflow changes.
0: They have to, I mean, these things have to be flexible, don't they? Um, yeah. But some of the great advantages of the better tools is how flexible they are to allow you to change the way that you work. And, and it's not just finding one system and sticking to it. You have, all these systems have to be constantly evolving to suit your working life.
1: So that even if you, you have a particular application, you will probably use it in an entirely different way to someone else. Yeah. And part of the, the beauty of all of this is that at the moment things or the workflows in hospitals are so terrible and some of these workflows that have been in the tech community are maturing. It's hoped that we'll be able to learn some lessons from that and bring these workflows into the hospital workplace and I think when that happens, you're going to see an increase in productivity, better patient care, safer patient care. And I think uh, everyone will, will benefit.
0: Absolutely. So it's been an hour and 26 minutes. It's been fun. It's been um, fun. We'll put all the show notes, uh, all the links and things to... Um, Stephen's in charge of the show notes, so uh, he'll put
1: oh, together you it. No. <laughs> I wish you'd told me beforehand I would have taken some notes as we go along. <laughs>
0: In Ulysses.
1: In the uh, yeah, in the in the app that I've just bought. <laughs> I haven't bought it. I haven't bought it. I'm not going to buy it. Yeah, yeah, right,
0: whatever. I'm not um, buy it. Okay. So uh thanks Stephen for Thank you, Ed. Yeah, and uh we'll see you again in the next episode. Bye bye. Bye. Check for pulse.